how has the cyber attacks and cyber crime involved towards healthcare, and especially with regards to interconnection with medical devices and IoT devices? Where does the onus of cybersecurity lie in terms of medical devices and IoT devices? What's up, guys? Welcome back to my YouTube channel, Monica Talk Cyber, and a fantastic new episode of We Talk Cyber with Monica. If you wish to hack your career, grow personally, and learn about tech, cybersecurity, and leadership, then hit the subscribe button right away. You can also tune into We Talk Cyber in your favorite podcast app and also my YouTube channel, Monica Talk Cyber. In today's episode, we'll be talking to an industry expert and a chief security advisor from Microsoft. We'll be talking to Joseph Davis on how has the digital landscape on the one hand versus risk and threat landscape on the other hand changed in the last years, especially within healthcare? How to really understand and implement the zero trust concept in cloud. With migrations to cloud on one hand and regulations such as HIPAA, GDPR, and other healthcare laws, and as well as national security, what are some of the key challenges with moving healthcare data to cloud? What are some of the recommendations there? How to store, process, and manage healthcare data securely within cloud? So before we hop right into the episode, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel, Monica Talk Cyber, hit the subscribe button, click on the notifications bell, and let's meet our guests right away. This is Monica Talk Cyber. Hi, Joseph. How are you doing? Welcome to the podcast show. Hi, I'm doing well. And you, Monica? Doing fantastic. Thank you so much. So um, it's lovely to have you on the show today, Joseph. Would you like to just share, um, uh, say some few words about yourself to the audience and be share a fun fact? Sure. Yeah, I've been um, in cybersecurity, arguably, um, probably over 27 years. And I say arguably because I took a moment to kind of switch my focus into medicine for I don't know, maybe seven years out of my life, but uh, I was I was in cybersecurity and interested in telecommunications networks since I was a kid. Um, fun fact about me is uh, I'm really into music, especially alternative music from the 70s to the 90s coming out of Manchester, England specifically, or, you know, North, Northern England in general. Um, nice. Yeah, big time into the into the journalism of it all. Awesome. Yeah, my favorite is also alternative, but more alternative rock. But that's fantastic. Right. Fantastic. Amazing. Yeah, it's really beautiful to have like these kind of fun things that we do outside our work that make us as whole professionals that we are. So that's really amazing. So let's get into the episode right away. You are obviously a chief security advisor. You have worked a lot with CISOs, with the, with the C-suite. And you obviously have a lot of experience with healthcare. So today our focus will be cyber risk, uh, cyber crime, and especially healthcare and the digitalization that's happening there. So let's hop right into it. Um, the first thing that maybe let's start with, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're seeing with regards to cybersecurity and some of the trends that you're seeing, especially with regards to healthcare? Oh, well, the, the biggest trend across the industries um, but especially around healthcare is uh, trying to implement a perimeterless computing environment focused mainly on zero trust conditional access. Um, the, the issue that we've had for the last 20, 30 years in IT and cybersecurity from a technical perspective and even uh, that of a process and a people perspective is that many of these areas of protection defense have been siloed. 
Um, what we're seeing now is kind of going back to a more centralized, integrated model of understanding what's happening across the kill chain when a threat actor comes in, mm-hmm. either from an internal perspective or an external perspective, right? Is it an insider or is it an external threat or is it an external threat um, in, uh, being an imposter, right? Acting as if they're an insider. Um, so right now we've got companies scrambling, customers scrambling to adopt um, integrated solutions, not just point solutions anymore, and really come up with a great uh, zero trust conditional access experience for their users and those that they uh, collaborate with outside of the organization. Mm -hmm. It's lovely that you say that already about zero trust, because talking about that, let's just maybe talk a bit about how do you see the digitalization landscape on one hand versus the risk and the threat landscape on the other hand changing and have evolved in the last years? Because I mean, zero trust is definitely one of the controls that we're seeing that we are going forward with more and more as we see that the perimeter, the four walls don't work anymore. But but how have you seen the digital landscape versus the risk and the threat landscape evolved over the last years? Well, we've been able to reduce risk mainly with the scalability of the cloud. And let me explain a little bit more about why I say that. So um, you think about these uh, years ago, we used to protect our environment with server-based applications and appliances and, and really examining packets, but nothing could really keep up with Uh, the live threats that were occurring, especially the identity-based threats. It was very, very difficult to, because identity-based threats use a combination of social engineering in in order to get someone to hand over something uh, really critical, like a username and password. Um, Whereas, you know, you had these appliances that were mostly looking at things like open ports, closed ports, you know, scanning for vulnerabilities. All those things are important, but we really want to understand what's going on at the user level. Um, And it became even more uh, intense and uh, important to do that as we moved to remote work, generally remote work. Many of us have been doing remote work for ages, but uh, this is, you know, the pandemic forced us to work remotely in a serious way um, and even meet and collaborate remotely. So what, how, how do we do that without a perimeter, right? So the approach is to take the risk of the device and the risk of the identity, kind of combine them and make decisions based on what they can, you know, based on their risk level, what they can access. Now, how do you do that at scale? You have to use the cloud. You have to use these large data sets that can only exist in the cloud because it's petabytes, if not more than that, of Mm -hmm. data. And then you use these really refined machine learning models to help understand what good looks like and what bad looks like, right? And um, offer the user helpful tips around, especially with a phishing attack, hey, it looks like you don't usually receive email from this sender, right? So that's kind of a tip off. The other tip off would be to put the word external in a subject line, something like that. Mm-hmm. And this is what, you know, in order to keep track of what kind of emails a user receives, um, we're, we're talking about millions upon millions of users and to be able to be nuanced around the behavior of a single user experience, that really takes the scalability of the cloud to understand, you know, within context, is this something that's normal or something that's abnormal? And if, if it's abnormal, how do we uh, inform the user that this looks abnormal before they are duped by a phishing attack? Absolutely. And, and one of the things that you mentioned that is key is the behavioral analytics so you need to understand the behavior and be able to 
distinguish between the good versus the bad, at right. least to a certain degree of percentage of certainty, if not 100%, because you can never be accurate 100%. But this is very interesting because we need to obviously move more and more in this direction because we know from experience, just putting in preventive controls will not help us if you're not able to detect the good from the bad, if you're not able to detect on time. And these kind of preventive controls need to be in place to help us with the detection, right? Um, for an organization that's going into the cloud and finds this like very um, difficult, they've never done that, they don't have these petabytes of data and they're trying it for the first time, How? what are the three couple of, couple of things, three things, a couple of things that you would recommend to these organizations, where should they start? Because everything really is evolving around identity, behavior, and, yeah. and really, as you say, it. So where do they start? So it doesn't seem very daunting. Yeah, well, there's two places really. Taking an integrated approach to cybersecurity rather than point solutions best of breed, I think is super important. 10 years ago, five years ago, even we were forced to, and even further beyond, we were forced to uh, take a best of breed siloed approach to uh, cyber defense and and uh, basically response, if you will, right? Where I would have to have one product from a different vendor um, managing my identity system and a different product from a different vendor managing my uh, email hygiene and you know secure email gateway type technologies and anti-malware or antivirus on the endpoint. These are all different things. They don't necessarily out of the box, they're not able to talk to each other. So you don't get from a cybersecurity defense point of view um, and uh, incident response point of view, you don't really see the full story, right? If you're an email administrator, you see the amount of malware or phishing attempts that come in. If you're an antivirus administrator, you're gonna see the number of you know uh, incidents of potential malware on endpoints. But those two combined, it becomes very, very powerful because then you can uh, identify the activities of a, an identity or of a device throughout the kill chain lifecycle. And when I talk about the kill chain, I'm talking about the, the process that threat actors typically use in order to get access to uh, you know, sensitive information and exfiltrate it, right? Action on objective. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So because what I'm trying to say here is not enough to just integrate security into your business, but also integrate the different aspects of security so you can learn from each other and you can see the full picture. Because that's what we're seeing in a lot of organizations. And I gave a talk, a keynote last year about from risk to recovery, because that's where it, the whole thing starts. And, and what I see from experience as well is that a lot of um, organizations in they're trying, obviously, we have talked a lot about the security should not be a silo and it should be integrated, but what is often missed is the different aspects of the entire security chain from risk to recovery that people have not, or the organizations have not really integrated. So what are your experiences with that? And what do you recommend in, in terms of that lack of visibility of the whole picture? Well, not only do organizations have to get out of their silos, right, but uh, with, within my customer environments, but, you know, your technologies have to get out of their silos. You, you have to walk through scenarios that say, all right, what are we discovering after the fact, right? So anytime there's a, a suspected breach or a suspected threat actor in someone's network, typically what the organization will do is they'll call in the experts, the uh, incident response experts to find out, like, basically put the crime together and, and try and figure out how it started, how it, you know, how it uh, evolved and then exactly what data was taken. And that, that last one is usually the most important uh, question to, to be able to answer, especially for the regulators and those in, in, in charge. 
Um, but you, right now, if you're looking across that kill chain in an integrated way, in an end-to-end -end way, you're able to determine a couple of things. You're able to determine the, the behavior of the user, not only from a has this user's credential been compromised so somebody else can authenticate, to has this user been behaving in a way such that it looks like they're attempting lateral movement in a network, right? Whereas they're, they're usually, say, an accountant and they wouldn't typically you know, perform the commands that that identity is performing down to what has this identity done with respect to data? Has this identity copied you know, uh, terabytes of data onto a USB drive? Has this identity copied terabytes of data up to a cloud storage provider? on and on, those, those types of things. Now, you're not going to get that full picture, that full vision, without selecting uh, technologies that are fully integrated, that are talking to each other, and without working together kind of like in a fusion center in a, in, with a common mission, mm. right? Not just, I want to prevent the, the front end of a phishing attack. It's, I want to I want to try and prevent the front end of a phishing attack, but also understand if one is successful because it's quite nuanced and it relies more on social engineering. Um, I'm, I want to be able to pick it up quickly before, you know, and maybe maybe I pick it up during lateral movement. Maybe it's already too late. Maybe the users already given up their credentials somehow, right? You know, we're, mm -hmm. They're not using multi-factor authentication or they were bribed and giving up their multi-factor authentication or something to that effect. And now I'm seeing lateral movement in my, in my, it doesn't even have to be my network. I, I, I will say in my estate, mm. because remember an on-premise network and a, and a cloud um, service provider, they're kind of one in the same to the end user at this point, especially when they're working from home. Uh, and they're one in the same to a threat actor too. Typically what we've been seeing at Microsoft is that threat actors will infiltrate an on-premise data center, infiltrate an on-premise infrastructure, and then move outside and use that as a, as a way to leverage their movement into that organization's cloud, right? Mm -hmm. So when they elevate their privilege, um, they assume the identity of these uh, privileged accounts that have access not only to sensitive data on-prem, but also have access to sensitive systems and data up in the cloud, regardless of what the cloud is, AWS, GCP, right. And you said one thing that was really interesting that you said something about to get the visibility of the whole picture, it's very difficult unless these technologies talk to each other, right? right. Would you also say that it's correct for people in different roles to talk to each other and mm -hmm. also processes to talk to each other, right? I mean, we're seeing this, and I feel more and more that we talk a lot about, again, which I said before as well, that security should be integrated in business, but how security overall is integrated with each other with regards to the technology people in process, that's something that's very lacking in the organizations as well. Would you say that that's equally important? And my thought process was, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could just knock down these cube walls here in, in IT and we could all, like the, the DBAs would be working with the front end people and, you know, and the application people and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. And I believe it's the same thing. We need to see the same thing in cybersecurity, defense and prevention, um, as well as investigation. Absolutely, 100%. And you said something fantastic that your experience with medical devices. Let's let's switch a bit and, sure. and talk about medical devices. In the healthcare, now we have seen, especially because of pandemic, but in general as well, to have better healthcare across the world, uh, better systems. There's a, a, absolutely been a 
digitalization that's happening has skyrocketed in the last years in healthcare. And then obviously there is medical devices, there is IoT, there is convergence that's happening between IoT and IT. What kind of cybersecurity threats and trends are you seeing, especially not only just towards healthcare, but because of this digitalization and convergence that's happening? Once in a while, we'll see, you know, an announcement in the trade journals about, you know, like yesterday, I think I posted something about a robotic surgical device has a a flaw where it could be accessed remotely. I mean, we see these things uh, up here now and again. Um, I would suspect that um, some of these things aren't being reported. Mm -hmm. I would also suspect that it's hard to really call anything a trend if we don't know the cause of the malfunction, right? So when a medical device malfunctions, you know, a lot of investigation needs to go into determining whether there was a vulnerability in some sort of communication protocol stack or, uh, you know, to make that that medical device either break or do something it wasn't supposed to do, right? So that's why I think the reporting is a little skewed. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my concern really, and I think it's the concern in the industry of this, what, what I've been heard called the brownfield environment, right? So connected medical devices that started to come out in droves around the you know uh, release of the early release of the iPhone, because back then marketing teams from medical device companies wanted doctors to be able to connect to these medical devices with their iPhone and an app, etc. And we see it today, right? We I have a humidifier in my apartment that I can control with my iPhone. Um, I have a pulse oximeter that I can control with an iPhone. Like the data gets uploaded to my iPhone, mm. right? But, um, with that rush to market, there wasn't a lot of secure software development lifecycle or product development lifecycle. So now we have maybe a decade's worth or more of medical devices in the wild that could be susceptible to all kinds of attack, right? And the, the big question, and I don't have an answer to it, is what to do with the brownfield, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like these medical device ma- manufacturers and, and developers are going to recall all these brownfield devices or even spend any R&D money on them whatsoever because they're moving on to the next thing. So I think it has to be a uh, coalition between the med device folks, the, the, the researchers who are finding flaws in these devices, um, and the cybersecurity companies that make products like, you know, like Microsoft has Defender for IoT, um, we're, we're making these products to really defend against attacks against IoT, right? So it's got to be kind of that three-way working group where, you know, we can, there's an avenue to report back a vulnerability and that vulnerability somehow gets patched. But we, we have to be also pragmatic in understanding that some of the early connected medical devices can't be upgraded, mm-hmm. right? They either have to be replaced or there has to be other mitigations applied other controls applied to prevent them from being uh, exploited in the first place. Mm-hmm. As I say that, um, obviously, it has to be a collaborative effort from both the providers and, and the cybersecurity uh, companies that are providing such kind of defender and other kind of scanning tools for IoT and, and detection tools and so on. Um, where does the accountability of cybersecurity with medical devices really lie? Who has the onus of that? Because that's a really a challenging question, is it? And I, and I mean, and I understand that it's a challenging question, but I still want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take the um, example of who has the accountability when a a plane goes down, right? Or who has the accountability when uh, a vehicle malfunctions, right? So. 
it, I think it depends on the product of the investigation, right? If, if it can be proven that there was a vulnerability in a particular connected medical device that was uh, known about but was unpatched, then, you know, the accountability goes back to the manufacturer or someone who designed the device. Um, but if it was, you know, if the, if the device wasn't used appropriately, you know, the accountability could be with the patient or it could be with the healthcare provider. So it's, it's a big, it depends, right? Um, it, you, it, it really, you know, we saw, we saw with Boeing and MCAS on their 737 MAX series that Boeing didn't do a fantastic job of explaining to the pilots that MCAS was actually in the control, right? So in, in the, in the system, right? So mm-hmm. when, you know, when the rudders would do a certain thing, the pilots would react in such a way that would, you know, MCAS would fight them on it. Now, if they had realized that MCAS was there, one could argue they could have recovered from the situation, right? So it's it's almost like, do, does the healthcare provider, does the patient know, is there informed consent around all the potential risks, to, you know, to this device? So, um, that that's my take on it. There is no silver bullet answer to this problem. Yeah, there rarely is in cybersecurity. <laughs> right. That's that's very true. So, and and you said also one of the things that was very interesting about the integrity of data, especially health data, right? Um, and we talked a bit about cloud, and everything is just being digitalized. We're moving to cloud. We're putting a lot of data in cloud, and slowly the questions that the organizations are asking are. Can we put the health data in the cloud? What about the confidentiality? What about privacy? What about integrity of data? What control should be in place? There is one thing from a cybersecurity perspective, but then there is obviously HIPAA and GDPR and all the other laws. I mean, right. for HIPAA doesn't really prevent you to go to cloud, but a lot of these laws and GDPR is obviously a big one. Then you have the national security. Could some of the data would be it relevant for national security, espionage? How, how, what? It's so much to take into. What should the organizations really do? How can you really? So, what are the risks on one hand, and to what would be a recommendation in terms of under what circumstances or what control should be in place if you do decide to move health data into cloud? Yeah, now you're moving into the realm of uh, the res- the responsibility matrix, right? Uh, where the customer is responsible for certain aspects of their deployment of services and data in the cloud and whether the cloud service provider is responsible for it. But I want to say up front before we start getting into this that I'll take data integrity over data confidentiality with respect to healthcare any day of the week. And here's here's the reason. Yeah, if, if someone gets a hold of my medical records, it might be a little embarrassing. It might restrict you know, who I could work for, et cetera, based on, you know, some physical malady that I have. But if if my data integrity is wrong and I go in for a procedure, um, maybe they're operating on the wrong arm. Maybe they're, <laughs> maybe they're ro- operating on the wrong organ, you know, and, and that is, that could be potentially life-threatening, right? So I'll take... Um, I'll take data integrity any day above data confidentiality, but we want to ensure both, but not at the same level. Okay, so let's go back to the original thing. There's, you know, as uh, service providers and, you know, payers and all the rest, they start to move their workloads into the cloud. They are still, even though they can do it, they're still governed by HIPAA best practices, you know, regulatory requirements, et cetera, not just with reporting, but how data is handled up there, right? My um, 
assertion is that the cloud is actually more secure than an on-prem implementation. One would think that position is nine-tenths of the law, right? So the cloud is running in somebody else's data center, and now I don't have access to my data. And it's really the contrary, right? All the way up from infrastructure as a service through platform as a service and ultimately software as a service, um, what the customer is always going to be responsible for is data, identity, and device. Um, so I would argue that it's actually, there's more available for you to be compliant when you move to the cloud, right? You don't have to go out and buy all these other tools. Um, you know, it's, it's as easy as either signing up to a subscription to something um, or it's already there, right? Mm -hmm. Like your score is pretty much already there. Um, when when you keep your money in a you know in a mattress, uh, all the risk is yours. When you keep your sensitive data in your data center in, on premises, all the risk is yours. Um, so it's really a business decision to say, do we want to trust these cloud service providers who all, all, their entire business model is based on the integrity of the you know maintaining integrity of the data that that is uh beholden to them maintaining the confidentiality of the data or do we want to you know really kind of trust ourselves with it i think we had really amazing conversations today uh, before we close the episode would you like to maybe say or share a key message to the audience today think about um i please don't think about zero trust as being one of two things, either a product, it's not a product. Zero trust is a framework. And please don't think of it as a marketing term. I think it's a really great way to um, impart the idea of understanding the risk of the uh, entities that are accessing your sensitive data. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Thank you for your wise words and very lovely that you came on the show today. Thank you so much for that. Thanks, Monica. Thanks for having me. So that was today's episode of We Talk Cyber with Monica. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel, Monica Talk Cyber, and tune into We Talk Cyber, both on my YouTube channel or in your favorite podcast app. So today we talked to Joseph Davis from Microsoft. It was fantastic conversations. So I hope you really enjoyed the show. So continue tuning in. I'll be back with more amazing guests and amazing conversations. This is Monica Talk Cyber. Bye.